Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. My name is Julian Guderlei, and today I'm having the pleasure and the honor to interview Satyan Raja for this wonderful show highlighting authors, philanthropists, and teachers of the regenerative movement. Satyan is the founder and CEO of the multi-million dollar transformational academy, Warrior Sage. He has impacted over 100,000 students from over 50 countries around the world. And after 35 years of rigorous study and practice in both creating enlightened business growth and developing higher consciousness, Satyan works privately with CEOs, high-impact individuals, executive teams who have mastered accomplishment in the financial and public world, but now want a deeper balance, illumination and self-realized equilibrium. And he calls that peak existence. So I'm really excited, Satyan, to have you on the show with these words. Welcome. There we go. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump right in. You, you've, you've helped and impacted so many people with what you call peak existence. And, you know, this is, seems to be like at the precipice of our time, this, this, this merge and this bridge between like old paradigm success or just simply success in like business metrics. But then, and you know it, people listening know it, I know it from, from people I work with, this just isn't really like enough right? There's always this what next question and really truly it comes back down to spirituality, self-realization and an equilibrium. So tell us a little bit more about your path. Like 35 years of that study is it's just like chapeau, you know, it's, I'm, I'm impressed that, that you've been so dedicated to this path. Well, you know, I, I think I need to redo my bio because we've added a few years to that now. This is my... Uh, I was celebrating with my family my 40th year in martial arts and consciousness studies this year. And, you know, as you shared, the bottom line is, is we're back to the ancient wisdom that's needed for modern times. Out of all these studies, at the end of the day, as you shared, equilibrium, self-realization, knowing oneself, awakening to one's symbiotic relatedness to all existence, to me is the essence, you know? Um, you know, nowadays, especially in the modern forms of business success or our definitions of success, we've gone all the way to peak performance, which can we crank out more performance in ourselves? Can we life hack ourselves to get a few more ounces of energy of, of focus, concentration, productivity, profit, uh, exuberance, wild factor? This is all great because it pushes our human dimension to achieve more, to experience more. It takes our limitations and keeps pressing them forward. And I believe there's great value in that, and great, great greatness to be had in pushing and stretching and expanding what we're capable of and going to the extent of, can we perform even more? Can we beat that four minute mile? And when that four minute mile was beat by Banster, then many people started doing and achieving that. Now it's even way down so this peak performance has value. The challenge is, and this is what all the ancient wisdom masters said, I'm saying nothing, that with the excessive push, the excessive willpower that is utilized or called upon, this way of controlling my dynamic, my reality, with my own strong hands, with my own fortitude, with my own willpower, as we continue to do that, what it does, it creates an imbalanced state of being within our system. The excessive push 
the ancient Taoist master says, is the exertion of excessive yang energy. And anything that you go excessive yang eventually will turn into its opposite and become yin. Pragmatically, if I really push myself and I go gung-ho, 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 sooner or later I'm going to have a breakdown in my body, my health, my sleep, my well-being, my relationships, my connection to self. And that will have a detrimental effect on my own being, my relationships. I might have success in money and running that extra mile, but or building my business 10x. Yeah, what if my own backyard is suffering? What if my own loves, my children, my spouse are suffering because they don't have me? So I believe that, you know, the next evolution is coming back to the old evolution. And the next evolution is to go from peak performance mindsets life hacking mindsets, this type of mindset where we're pushing the human mechanism to its extent. And now look at, can we have peak existence, meaning a sense of joy, a sense of that, not am I trying to be one with reality, but the tacit embodied knowing and living that I am one with this reality. And I am in symbiotic relationship with you in Brazil. I'm in Canada. But we are connected. What I buy, what I purchase, what I breathe, how I run my operations, how I run my teams, is all making an impact on the whole. And so that recognition of peak existence, it puts us not on top of the food chain as in peak performance, but it puts us in our right place as players in this great infinity, as players on this beautiful planet, as individuals in our society. And rather than makes us high or low, we get to see ourselves as part of the creation of wholeness, part of the fostering and nurturing of wholeness, which paradoxically allows us to have way more success in the temporal worlds of financial gain and relationship, but it happens paradoxically, not through push, but through invitation. That's so beautiful. The paradoxes are seemingly where a lot of the gold sits. The paradox between with duality on one end, but really like is that the, the influx point into the non-dual state of existence. So when we follow that logic and, you know, we are in 2019 going into 2020, um, the state of the world, you know, depending on who you ask is either a state of a beginning golden age or, 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 or climate catastrophe, depending on who, who answers. In your own words, what do you believe or think or, or sense is most required in this world today? especially when we put it into context for, for the individual, the person, the people listening. Yes. You know, you share something very valuable here. And that's there's people who are, for good reason, that there's alarm, climate alarm, for very good reasons. Climate just being one of the ails of humankind. Everything from pollution to God knows what. So many things our societal structures, our political structures, our religious structures, how we take care of the environment, not just from a CO2 standpoint, from toxicity and chemicals and, and animal production. We have so many ails that if we really dive into it, we can break our own spirit and we can end up 
in a way, feeling that there is no hope. And sometimes the facts and the numbers and those who look at it from a reality standpoint, oh my goodness, we're really at the brink of some serious personal, at least human disaster. Might not be for the planet and long-term, but at least on a human level. Yeah, well put. And then there's also those with the spectrum and the seeing of, yes, as you just shared, there's such great advancements in science, in politics, in healthcare, in systems thinking, great uh, breakthroughs in understanding of our relationship to the whole. Great social movements are moving forward. Women's rights, children's rights, indigenous rights, slowly but all moving. All these things are also happening simultaneously. And it's very valuable, I feel, to have the viewpoint that holds both. Mm -hmm. That we don't discard or marginalize those who are up in arms around the disaster of the world because there's true validity. And if we bring care and presence and love and attention and our actual ability to make change in our own life and with others, it's valuable. And at the same time, we can foster new realities. We can be the beacon call of, of positivity. We can be the example of, uh, if you will, not uh, dystopian thinking, but we can be the ones that usher in a whole new way of thinking in spite of the facts. We can hold that. Now, going deeper into that, one of the things that I've come to recognize in myself is the core energy that I feel needs to be awakened in ourselves, fostered, cultivated, and brought into three-dimensional reality, not just in form, not just intent, is our symbiotic relationship to the whole. And our awareness of our symmetry with all of existence. Are we pushing? Are we leaning back? One of my old mentors took me to Ireland years back on a spiritual adventure tour. He says, I'm going to give you one teaching. That'll be the only spiritual teaching for this time we're here for a few weeks. And your job is to feel the nuance of this moment to moment in the realms of your desire, your goals, as we order a meal, as, we, as you see beautiful people and you might feel enticed, as you're thinking of it, whatever. And that's, he said, don't lean into things. And don't lean away from things. In other words, don't be so checked out. Uh, come see, come saw, being in the witness position, mm -hmm. being in the position of what comes is what may, it is what it is, I will let it just pass by. Leaning away, being disinterested, having a sense of, of, um, it's going to fall apart anyways. I won't have anything to do. How can I help? What can I do? How can I be of use with all of this, this world condition? That's leaning away. And leaning in is, yes, we must, we must. And it's that aggressive pushing. It's that fear base. It's that, it's that getting temperamental and working yourself up and bringing yourself out of balance and, 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 working up fervor and trying to work up fervor and, and to get adherence to your system and to your, that is leaning and pushing in. But when we can find that 
and then foster the awareness of the nuance of am I leaning in, am I leaning out? When we find that central equilibrium point of being, then that's the moment I've discovered for myself is that we become the greatest manifestors. Our optimism is at its highest. Our capacity for creation is at its most fluid and beautiful and, and, and our artistry of, of being mm -hmm. is more relatable and touchable. Our connection is more palpable and beautiful. And so that is the ancient Taoist principle um, that I'm pointing to and asking us to re-remember. I like it a lot. I feel like there is there's something very curious with this society and this media society that, that tends to pull us into polarities, right? It's either hyper extended this way or that way. And so, yeah, I can, I can really like, let's, let's let that drop in. This is really beautiful how you explained that. I have a few follow-up questions already from what just came up and, and let me touch base on something you said earlier, which is this willpower, right? This, this, driving, overextending, hyper-masculine maybe even. And so the opposite of willpower for me in my vocabulary and kind of index in my, my mind here is surrender. It's almost like willpower is yoga and surrender is tantra. And I know that there's a lot of background there, there from, on your side. So, so where do you take all this? Yeah. <laughs> So I would say Tantra is willpower and yoga is surrender. So, <laughs> yeah. But I'm with you. I'm totally with you. So the way I see that dis distinction is claim and surrender. And rather than one or the other, I see both as ends of the same spectrum of energy, not in conflict. Yet they can be in conflict when there's antagonistic charge between these two. So you'll hear some teachers say, just surrender, just be, just let it all happen. And you'll see a lot of people in satsang and these particular realms, just being and floating around and still not really dialed into and active with reality. Yeah. Then you'll see it go into another realm of, let's say some type of motivational seminar or intentful space where it's rah, rah, rah. Uh, do or die, uh, massive action equals massive results. And yeah. that camp also has great capacities and beauty that come out of it, but then has its own balancing force. And so to me, it's not either or. It's the whole spectrum. And wisdom is if you're leaning back and you're just surrendering and nothing's happening the way you want in life, then perhaps you need to be more active. If you've come to the extent of activity and now you're pushing the gas even harder on some psycho-spiritual level, but you're, the car's not moving faster and you're trying even harder, what if you've got a four-cylinder car and you're trying to get 12-cylinder performance? from a You're trying to get Lamborghini performance and your car is an economy car meant to save gas. The more harder you push it, it'll just burn out the mechanisms of that car. So... We have to know when to open, when to depress. And this goes into the next distinction I want to make between internal willpower or internal intention 
which I'll say from the way I experience, it's initiated more from the frontal lobe, the brain. Where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? How do I need to achieve this? Let's move forward with a directional energy. And let's make it happen with my, our own two hands. Moving this, making your own house with your own two hands, using your willpower in a directional way. That can again get stronger and stronger. It can go out of balance to extremes as we know. So that's internal willpower, internal intention. Now there's another seemingly magical force in reality called external intention, giving it a name. Mm -hmm. And external or outside intention is what we hear in these manifestation type teachings, which is there's a force in reality which coordinates at a, if you will, existential level, factors, nonlinear jumps in success, nonlinear synchronicities that put you in the right person with the right people to grow your skill, your ability, or to get the very thing your soul yearned for, but not through the way of the willpower, but through the way of, if you will, magic. It's not really magic. It's just another order of how existence works that we might not have conscious understanding of. The secret, manifestation, life creation. So for me, internal willpower is I'm going to move this over to here. I'm going to make this happen. I am the doer. The doership is here. If I don't do it, nobody else will. External intention is saying there is a reality in this potential of infinite realities, which has my perfect relationship, which has my perfect business, which has the most beautifully articulated flow in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's already there. So if I'm not trying to use my willpower to attain it, I'm feeling for the realm and I'm dropping into the dimension of being where my assumption bodily, tacitly, is that I'm already in that world where that is already there. This is an ancient teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Let go of the outcome, these type of ideas. Connected but when you're already there, then that which is already there meets you. When you're aiming to get something from this reality, you're in this life track. And this life track is already predestined in a way. Yet there's infinite life tracks which have parallel, full creations in themselves. I believe our capacity is to be able to move into the coordinated realms out of choice and awareness, or we're going into them by default and happenstance. To the degree of our awakeness is what moves us from default to choiceful realms of being. I love how much of a philosopher you are. This is, this is just so extremely explicitly well put. And, you know, in, in these different sides of this creation, willpower, surrender, quantum field, and like internal power, me personally in my life, I've developed the, the idea of planetary purpose. And I'd have my own words to ex explain that and I've done, I've done so in other videos, but I'm really curious 
from that very philosophical perspective, like what is purpose in your own words and what role does it play in one's life? Mm. My foundational assumption from my own direct experiences of truth is that we are divine individuals with choice. That there's an animating divinity that is living us all. When we're in a dualistic state of consciousness, which is not a problem, it can be if you don't like dualism, but when you're in a dualistic <laughs> state of consciousness, or you've got some poo-poo around duality yeah. from whatever reason, right? And there's many reasons why. But when you're in a dualistic state of viewpoint, meaning you're identified as a self and a doer, and you're another self, I can create art of that relationship and foster that. I don't have to make it a problem. I can enjoy the Leela, the divine play of duality or unity arising as multiplicity. Just in the same way, if you and I were to sit down and say, let's play a game of chess. I have to take my singularity of consciousness, create a multiplicity of, take my consciousness, my rooks can only move one or two moves. Mm -hmm. This can move this way. The queen can move any way. The king can move any way, but only one move. Every, I have to actually limit my capacity as a human. Right. These very micro limited movements in the game of restriction to play with you in that game of restriction. It wouldn't be any fun if my queen could move anyway, you're, and you had a whole different set of rules. We would have to share the same freedoms and the same restriction, contraction to play the game of Leela. So, so the word team, if you will, is a singular word. It's, it's one of the few words that's singular and plural. Mm -hmm. And so is the game of chess, all those pieces. It's you, but you have to play pretend that you're these different members of an army. I feel the same is happening at a parallel level with us in this reality earth plane. So if we look at it on a purpose level, our players have a purpose to win and conquer, defeat, to win the game of life. At a transpersonal level, we're playing a Leela, mm -hmm. a divine dance, where it's a massive game of hide and seek for the purpose of its own play. When you're in the identified player role, then you can choose an egoic sense of play to gain more for this individuated self. Mm -hmm. Or you can play the game of win-win. Can we have cooperation, sharing, and unity? Or we can play the ultimate game of recognizing that you and I and all existence is one unfolding purpose. And then I can come into alignment with the purpose that's arising with the evolutionary impulse, with the world's kundalini, if you will, the evolutionary life force that's constantly evolving and spiraling as in spiral dynamics. Mm -hmm. And we can join that spiral volitionally 
with ease and surrender. And then when we're called to join that surrender with concerted actions in the reality of life, all simultaneously, all without a problem. Mm -hmm. This is, again, so, so well put out there. And I'm so glad you brought it back to purpose. I wasn't quite sure you're going to wrap that, that bow around it. But, <laughs> but for me, when I speak about planetary purpose, it's, it's the, the later, right? It's this idea of there is an evolving direction of consciousness, like a spiral dynamic that is unfolding. And so within that dynamic, you as an individual play a role. And you as an individual, if you are meant to be a loving mother or if you're meant to be a world, a global president, it doesn't matter, but your role is incredibly important. And unless you recognize this role within you, you're possibly missing the chance of being of service. It's like the chess pieces I was talking about. Each one has a very specific role in that game. Each one has strengths and powers. Each one has unique capacities. And when, and when you learn the game and you cultivate the game, when you start, you might be a novice, you might not be that good, but as you get better at playing that game, each purpose will be potentized. Your capacity to play the game will become more and more potent will become cleaner, better, stronger until you can, if you choose to be world-class. And so I feel it's the same with purpose. We can be checked out of purpose or we can feel for it in a real way. And the way I dial into purpose, I ask myself this daily question. And the daily question is this, at a human temporal down earth level, what must I do today? What must I do to live, love, and die complete without any regret? What must I do in this lifetime to live, to love, and to die complete without any regret? So today, if I were asking that of myself, just today, what must I do to live, love, and die complete? There's some unfinished communications I have with my wife regarding some stuff that we're going through and I want to connect with her. I know if I do that today, I'll be fulfilling my purpose today. On the macro scale, I'm fulfilling my purpose by being here with you, by sharing whatever life experience I have for the sake of the larger home. If I don't, I stay in my room and I just eat chips and watch TV shows all day, that's great, it's fun. I might be fulfilling the fun factor or some other desire in me, but I might not be fulfilling the arising purpose. When we're fulfilling and aligning with our arising purpose, there's such a life force that enters mm -hmm. one's being. There's such a clarity, a conviction, a knowing, a determination, an empowerment. So I believe knowing, finding out, fostering, and aligning and dedicating yourself to the purpose that you currently have now, not anyone else's purpose for you, but discovering that for yourself. And many of us already have discovered it. We're just not fully living it. Mm -hmm. And so the degree that we are living it and we start saying, okay, I was a little off. We bring myself back with compassion. I'm a little off. I got distracted. I bring myself back. And then when we do, and we keep bringing ourselves back, 
There's the solidity and the infusion and the clarity of the uploads, downloads, side loads that come in regarding your purpose become very magnified and exact and fluid is what I've discovered for myself. Powerful, Sachin. Thank you so much for going quite a bit deeper into this, this idea of, of purpose. And uh, you mentioned something that might be curious. I completely forgot about all the other questions I, I usually ask or want to ask. And that is the, the, the personal purpose of today. You made a personal example of um, just a next layer or a fuller form of integration of communication with your partner. And so for one, it very much resonates with me on this exact day. It feels, you know, personally, it feels fulfilling at times in a really committed relationship in which I am to know that finding deep connection and learning to surrender to that connection and showing up in that is sometimes that's all it really takes. But I want to actually turn this into a question because I know that a lot of people really revere and know you and both of you for living in a committed space of relationship and living in a deep state of relationship. And so I know very little about your relationship personally, as we're just getting to know each other, but I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to understand if you were to, let me make a very real question because I feel like we already went so cosmic in this conversation. If you were to give your younger self the one that, you know, four decades ago went on this journey, three advices or three insights or three forms of relating about specifically a romantic relationship, what would they be? Ooh, ooh. That's a great question. Well, I need to share, first of all, I'm a very blessed man. I have an amazing wife of 32 years now, Suzanne, Suzanne Raja, who's a human potential guide and leader in her own right. And such a down-to-earth Jamaican woman, such an incredible mother and wife. So she has those traditional values, and she's also really out there and out of this world in terms of her passion and her creativity and her capacity to bring people to love. And I think what's kept us strong and powerful through these years, first of all, um, was the dedication to each other's purpose, as you shared, and vision and mission. When she started dating me first, you know, I had, I, I was, you know, close to broke. I was delivering pizza as a teenager and uh, making just enough money uh, on the weekends delivering pizza to um, make enough money to get to the Kung Fu school and to, and to do my, you know, wow. martial arts training and whatever I could to scrape up, whatever. And I started dating Suzanne and I scraped up all my money together. And I took her to a fancy restaurant back then. And I said, oh, this is first date, first date. And I said, she had a great first date. She come, came from a well-to-do family. And I said to her at the end of the day, and I go, I know. She goes, ah, that was a great day. Thank you for taking me for this nice dinner and all that. I go, I really like you. I just want you to know honestly that I scraped all my pennies together for this date. <laughs> If we get together again, if you want to be together, it's going to be Taco Bell. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> <Wow. laughs> I, I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to repeat this. Four weeks uh, later, maybe. Scraping up more money, yeah. Exactly, right? And, and she said, you know what? She said to me, I don't care. As we got, I don't care if we live or we hit in a cardboard box underneath a bridge with the homeless, as homeless. Because you have a mission, you have something in you that is here for the greater good, I'm behind that. And I said, I couldn't believe it. I was very much into teaching martial arts. I had a desire to help people awaken to their true nature, even back then. And she felt so committed to not just me as a human Satyan ego identity, but she felt that the spirit in me is here for something bigger than just life goals and white picket fence and a nice house and car and all the foundations of life that families have. She says, that's, I love all that too, she said, but you're here for something bigger. I want to dedicate me to that. I'm more, so to this day, Suzanne is more dedicated to my soul essence purpose than to me as a human man. And that's made me paradoxically more human. So that's the first thing I can share as an essential is don't just fall in love with your partner and their beauty, their handsomeness, their, 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 their amazingness in themselves. Feel for what is their dharma. What are they here for in the big picture? As you shared, their global purpose. How do they fit into that? And rather than, and you might not get any details, you might not know how, it might be just in the formative stages, it could be just mm -hmm. at the heart intent level, there might not even be the how that looks or what that would show up in the, it's just the devotion to that in each other. That has kept us strong for 32 years through thick and thin, through incredible hardships, through you know, family pain, through financial suffering, through relationship, you know, headbutting. But what's kept us strong is devotion to each other's devotion. Wow. Devotion to each other's devotion. That's first of all, that's quotable, but that's so profound and so beautiful and resonates with every cell of my being. You know, when I felt off with my purpose, my wife just won't be, Suzanne's not gentle about it. She's like my beloved. She's not angry either. Not angry on me, blame, shame, none of that. It's more your, my love, your, there's this in you. Please come back to your own integrity. My love, don't take that deal. If you go for that deal, that... That other person in that deal is not integral. Yes, you might make some money, but you're going to be associated with someone who doesn't have the integrity that you do. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. So that's pragmatic how she's expressed these. Or, wow, you know what? You want to go study with that teacher? You're going to be gone for a month. You want to go around the world? And, and yes, please, you have my blessing. I'm fanning the flames of our love while you go on your studies, while you go on your... Uh, vision quest while you go on to your inner work time. And so this is invaluable. And to do this, we both, both of us have to move beyond our clinginess, our neediness for them to look us, to be close to us, 
to feed us in the adolescent way, to stoke our inner child, we don't stoke each other's inner child. We leave that for ourselves. We stoke each other's inner adult. We stoke each other's inner divinity. That's been the essence through all these years. Beautiful. That's much more than, than three things. I love how questions sometimes just have to have, be a framework for some, some earthly logic to come through. But wow, Satyam, thank you so much for, for giving a piece of essence and wisdom and insight there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share this, this like really honestly. As a young man, I'm 32 now, you know, um, I sometimes wish that as I was a teenager, those kind of wisdoms, insights, role models were much more normality than the versions and abstractions of celebrity entertainment, um, sports, athleticism, which none of them are bad. They're, they're all fine as they are. It's just the role they played in, in those times in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. Was, was just very much out of proportion and, and didn't really give any um, guidance at all, to be honest. Yeah. And so I think people are truly craving, right, are truly craving this, this, this kind of depth um, in themselves. And so I have one last question for you because, you know, I know we only have a, a I, short I, I want to address, I'd like yeah. to address this piece. Oh, please. When I was in my younger days, wisdom and depth, nobility of character, Higher consciousness was valued, was revered. From we, we considered the wise men the top of the mountain, not the CEO billionaire, not the uber successful person surrounded by celebrity fanfare. So what's happened, what I've experienced is depth has gone, depth and wisdom has gone into the background in terms of value as a whole in society. And now bling, <laughs> bling meaning this is all the fanfare of life. All Stuff the and looking good, yeah. All of that. That's become the forefront. But the thing is, that depth can never go away. All we need to do is keep depth and wisdom as put it back into the foreground and let attainment of material attainments respect amongst others, where I am in the social order, all of, have that be one of the background. Just don't let it go. It's hard to let go of it, but just allow the value of the yearning and the seeking and the fostering of depth and true inner illumination and genuine connection and love. Make that the value that you would bring forth even more. Externally, people won't even be able to see the difference but one's vibration will change and it will reorient your life very rapidly, I might say. Beautiful. And totally right on, like 100%, I feel this is, this is what I've learned in these 32 years as well. You know, all the um, external values or looking good or, or being revered or the social hierarchy. You know, I've, I've had the privilege to experience it on a few different continents in different countries. So. I've seen through the matrix quite early because it is the same everywhere, but it looks slightly different everywhere. And once you understand the leverage of how much it's the same, 
you realize, wow, everyone's running the same direction. But ultimately, every single person that I work with now or that I've met on this journey, and including myself, the looking good part, once you achieve it, being successful, rich, or revered, you instantly realize how empty it is. It's like an instantaneous switch. And so flipping that and showing that it's empty. And, and then it still can play a role because we all like looking good. We all like being revered. That's, that's okay. But it, 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 as you say, it's, it's really not the value number one. And so maybe this is already the answer to, to this last question I have. But my last question is in regards to the education system at large. And so if you could single-handedly or with a team of experts change the education system, what would you do? <laughs> Suzanne and I, we homeschooled and unschooled our children, mm -hmm. meaning we let them follow their own natural passions and tendencies, and we took the mentorship role of approach. So this would be the main focus, because I've seen it work out so well with my children. I was also brought up with the mentorship approach. So I think what I would advocate is, especially for uh, children and youngsters, is what are their passions? What moves them? What excites them? And rather than just point them to books and such, have them meet those who are living those experiences. Mm. Wow. Through YouTube, through shares, we have, so, that is the first great start, right? The great knowledge we have online. And then let that take us, but then the real key is face-to-face, -face, human to human, being in the field of the mentor. The field of the mentor far surpasses the knowledge the mentor can give through books, teachings, audios, writings. Oh. It's the transmission oh. of their embodiment mm -hmm. that you can't even get. Just the way that, hey, let's hop in the car and go to get a subway, a submarine, and you go get a sub. And just how they are. They could be a mechanic, but you learn so much about how to approach life from their disposition in buying a burger. <laughs> which seems unrelated, but that is the power of direct tutelage, direct mentorship. So for me, that ancient principle holds true to today, and I feel we can nurture it and foster it even more strongly and come back to allowing our youth and our own self-study to take us to the feet of masters so we can drink not only of their knowledge, but of the transmission of their experience. So with these words, thank you so much for your transmission in this digital space. You may enrich everyone's life who's listening, who's tuning in, who's connecting, who's sharing this. Sachin, thank you so much for your time. I, I can't wait for more of that, more transmissions like that. It was a true pleasure and honor to listen and, and ask some questions and dive deeper. Oh, my pleasure and honor and respect, my friend. Thank you. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so, and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. 
We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.